0: Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to What Do You Believe? We are your relevant Pentecostal voice focusing on evangelism, discipleship, apologetics, and theology. I am your helpful host today, Joe Y. Rostick. Share if you care, because I'm going to be all by myself, all lonesome, unless you get some of your friends to join us here today. Jared is on vacation, so we want to uh, talk today about racism, in America specifically, but do it from a biblical point of view, and so I hope that today it can be helpful. The reason why I got in on this discussion was because I had uh, posted up a picture of them tearing down the um, the statue in New Orleans of um, General Lee that was in the French Quarter, and when I had put that up. I had basically said, uh, tear the whole thing down. And when I did that, I caught a little bit of controversy. Believe it or not, I got myself in a little bit of controversy. And so I said, why not dedicate this whole show while Jared is out of town with his family in Miami? Might Why not dedicate this to racism? So what I would like to do today is give us some uh, big picture things. Starting with a video from Answers in Genesis that I believe really explains where the idea of racism came from and how it's not appropriate to talk about even races, plural, especially human races, in the Bible uh, from a biblical standpoint. So there shouldn't even be anybody that is a racist in the Bible uh, as a Christian, and let alone, and, and on top of that, you shouldn't even believe that there are races, plural from the Bible. So what I want to do is just get right into this video and play it all for you, uh, and then I'm going to discuss it, because if I don't get into this right now in our hour show, there's no way that we can do it all. So I'll be making reference, into, reference to it from this point on, and if anybody misses, that's going to be up to them. They're going to have to go back and catch the show. But uh, let me put on this video now from Answers in Genesis.
1: I hear this one a lot. How can there be so many races in the world if we are all descendants of Adam and Eve? Well, check this out. First off, let's talk about the word race. Sometimes when people use the word, they mean supposed races of people who have evolved at different times, rates, and in different locations. That's not true. Of course, the word race is also a term we use to distinguish between groups with different physical traits, namely skin color. But are there really different races? Take a gander at Acts 17.26 where it is written that God, from one man, made every nation of men. It's clear then that the Bible teaches that there is one race, the human race. The Bible is also clear that all people on the earth are descendants of Adam and Eve who were created by God. Check Genesis 1, through 28. Easy enough, God created two people in his image, male and female, and told them to increase in number. So, Adam and Eve are mom and dad of the human race. Then, their children had children, and those children had children, and so on and so forth for many generations until, according to Genesis 6, 9, the world's population was reduced to eight people who were protected inside an ark during a global flood. And those eight people later walked off the ark, and according to Genesis 9:19, 9, from them came the people who were scattered over the earth. Oh, wait a second. What do I mean scattered? Well, jump over to Genesis 11 and let's talk about an event known as the Tower of Babel. Basically, because of the sinful actions of the descendants of Noah, the Lord confused their language and scattered them from there over all the earth. That's pretty clear and concise. Okay, so we've got lots of people who were descendants of the eight folks who came off the ark, and now they have been scattered all over the earth. That explains that we are still one race and that different groups of people ended up in different locations. But how do we get a bunch of different colored people if we are all one race? Follow along. This, of course, is a simplified explanation, but the basic principles are true. We all have a pigment in our bodies called melanin, which, depending on different variables, produces different shades of the one main skin color we all possess. Several genes control the amount of melanin produced and thus the variability in the skin shade. In fact, it's easy for one couple to produce a wide range of skin shade variability in just one generation, as we'll see in just a moment. Time for a quick genetics lesson. DNA is the molecule of heredity that is passed from parents to children. A child inherits 23 chromosomes from each parent. Each chromosome pair contains hundreds of genes, which regulate the physical development of the child. However, to illustrate basic genetic principles pertaining to the topic, we'll just talk about two genes, the genes that control the production of melanin. So, let capital A and capital B symbolize versions of the gene that code for large amounts of melanin, while little a and little b code for small amounts. Got it? Easy. Check this out. Take a look at the upper left. Let's say dad contributes capital A, capital B genes, and mom contributes capital A, capital B genes as well. Together, they will produce a child with capital A, capital A, capital B, and capital B. This is a kid with a lot of melanin, and thus he will have very dark skin. Easy to see. Here's the bigger point though, let's say dad contributes capital A capital B and mom contributes little a and little b, well the child's skin will be middle brown shade, the combination of capital A little a and capital B little b, which by the way represents a majority of the world's population. Not only that, but if each parent is capital A little a, capital B little b, the combinations that could be produced in their children could result in a very wide range of skin shades in just one generation. So. Since Adam and Eve were the first people ever, it makes sense to conclude that God placed in them a combination of genes that could produce all different shades of skin we see. Those same combinations would be present in Noah and the seven other people who boarded the ark. And because God dispersed people at the Tower of Babel, he dispersed the population, thereby isolating gene pools in the different people groups. Over time, different cultures formed in different locations with certain features like skin shade becoming predominant. And here we are today. And since we all go back to Noah and his family, it makes sense that we are all different shades of brown. One race, multiple people groups, just like the Bible teaches. Simplified for sure, but enough said.
0: All right, so... Basically, we had to have a groundwork, a foundation to go on so that we could understand the idea, biblically speaking, about what is the human race. The human race it are the descendants of Adam and Eve. So that video from Answers in Genesis will be up on today's notes when I gather together all the links that I uh, reference here. You can check it out. So for anybody to believe there's more than one race other than the human race they themselves are a racist to begin with, and by that, what I mean is they are making distinguishing marks between humans that God said never to do. So now watch this. Look at the definition of racism here. i got to sh- share a lot of links with you guys today, so I want to make sure we all stay on the same page. Racism, a prejudice or a discrimination antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's race is superior. Okay, now, can you be a racist if you do not believe in multiple races in the human family? No, it, it, it would be impossible for you to be even a racist unless you first believed in something unbiblical. So there are not different races. We are the human race. Everybody look up at me, please. We are all of the race of Adam and Eve after the judgments and then Noah and his family. That is it. We are of one human race. So if just right now you are thinking to yourself, even as an African-American, I am a different race than a white person, you're already a racist. You're already, be- not according to this definition, that would that would require you to be superior. But I'm telling you by a biblical definition, you're already a racist because you believe there are different races. Then according to the dictionary, if you then say your race is better than the other person, now you are doing what the world calls racism. So let me just distinguish this here. Let me make sure I'm being clear. According to the Bible, You are in sin if you believe that there are multiple races. So that definition of what we would call a racist, biblically speaking, is someone that believes in multiple races in the human family. Now, culturally speaking, someone is a racist if they think that their race is better than someone else's. Now, since I do not believe in other human races, and I believe that's unbiblical, what I want to show you is the definition of what... Um, oh, the name is uh, ethnocentricism. What ethnocentricism is. Now, ethnocentricism is the evaluation of other cultures according to precondi- preconceptions originating in the standards and customs of one own culture. So this is what I think is really happening. Number one, we have the wrong definition of race in our culture. Just everybody who keeps talking about races has the wrong definition of race. And so they're being anti-biblical. When black people talk about the black race, the Latino race, the, the white race, anything that talks about races is unbiblical. It's nonsense. There's only one human race. But what do I believe exists today is ethnocentrism because the Bible says after the Tower of Babel, just think of it like this. You have Adam and Eve, their fall, then the world goes on. Then there's the judgment upon Noah's flood, uh, upon Noah's generation, the flood. And then Noah's family is saved. And then at that point, Noah's family spreads out. And then they try again to do a rebellion against God at the Tower of Babel. Uh, Babel, But he separates them according to their languages because he brings different languages to them. And there they get into their isolated cultures. And that's why the genes start to come into one people group a strong amount of melanin here or slanted eyes or non slanted eyes or light skin here. According to their language and culture, since they're isolated, they begin to have strong dominant features not races, according to the Bible, cultures, okay? So what we are dealing with are people with the wrong understanding, actually thinking that there's different races, and there is not, and then the other wrong understanding that one's culture is better than another. Now, let me give you an example of ethnocentrism, okay? Now, here you have um, a clip that I'm going to play you from the movie Apocalypto about the Mayan Empire. Now, since A lot of people may listen to this by audio. I'm going to kind of talk through uh, what's going on here. So basically, you have these Mayans that go and attack their own people. In a sense, these are people in Central America. These are their own um, uh, race. If we were looking at the old mindset of race, these are their people. These look exactly like them. They are from the same exact region but what their problem is and what i'm using this as an example is that they believe their culture is better than the other culture of the more primitive uh... native people of those of those tribes that were more primitive Now. This is very similar to what would go on with the Persians, the Romans, etc., but I just thought this would be a great example for you guys to see this because sometimes when we're talking about race in America, we just keep thinking white and black, white and black. People have no idea how much this has been going on throughout the world in all of their cultures, okay? So here you see what these Mayans loved to do was to torture uh to sacrifice their own people. Now, the reason why they would do it to these people is because they thought they were inferior to them because they did not have uh, the blood of the gods coming through them. So since they were not born into the nation of the Mayans or born into the nation of the Persians, you know, Persian people taking down Middle Eastern people, Greek people taking out down other white people. This is an example of what we call ethnocentrism, and it's been all across the world. This has happened with the Asians, this has happened with the Indians and the caste system. Now what they're basically going to do, just for sport and fun, is send these guys out here to go run and try to run and free themselves like animals, and these guys are just going to kill them just, just because they can. And this is what it was like with the Aztecs, this is what it was like with the Native Americans, this was what it was like in North America before a white man ever showed up. This is what they were doing to each other, all right? Now, I'm not trying to defend what white people did when they came. Because remember, I'm only about the human race. So I'm not trying to defend a white race or a whatever race. And So certainly I can care less about European culture. I could care less about uh, uh, what would you would call it. Uh, I could care less about, uh, about medieval culture. So I don't care about the culture of a certain time. I don't care about the culture of a certain color. I don't care about the culture of any of those things. See, I am a Christian. I am kingdom culture. So when I watch this despicable action going on here, and we'll turn it off now. They're basically just torturing this guy here. When, when I watch this, uh, what, what I am seeing here is people of the same human race dividing themselves up by culture and calling it a form of racism or whatever, thinking they are of a different race, but they are deceived, and then they are harming each other, and they're doing what the Bible said we're not to do. Now, let me give you another example. Uh, I'm just going to share my screen here. Let me show you what the Muslims did all throughout um, Africa, all throughout uh, the world that they were a part of the Islamic slave trade. Let, Let me just show you here. The Islamic trade, slave trade, as you're, as you're looking at my screen here. The Islamic slave trade, and I'm just, you know, Wikipedia, just real easy to share, right? You know, don't believe everything on the internet, but let me just give you some things to, to think about. The Arab slave trade was, pra- was the practice of slavery in uh, the Arab world, mainly in Western Asia, North Africa, the Horn of Africa, Southeast Africa, and Europe. This barter occurred chiefly between the medieval era and the early 20th century. My friends, it's even still going on today. This is like, you know, look up the Sudan slave trade. Look up these different things. So it went on into the 20th century, which is like the 1900s, and it's still going on today. And so the Arabs did this really like almost at day one, Muhammad started taking slaves. And he was plundering Africa, the northern tip of Africa that would touch the Middle East. And they, they estimate that upwards of 17 million uh, slaves were taken during this uh, um, African slave trade with the Arabs. And it wasn't even just with the, uh, the Africans, the Europeans, and I got it here as well, and they have some naked women here. Um, but uh, it is estimated that around 125 Europeans, 125 million Europeans were enslaved uh, during the barber. Uh, times when the uh, sultans were trying to expand their barber empire. And the, and the Ottoman Empire fell during uh, World War I and Two, uh, primarily during World War I during that time. and uh, but, but right before that, uh, kind of around the time of the founding of America, you know, from about the 1600s to 1800s, uh, 16th to 19th century here, there was 1.2 million uh, slaves here uh, taken from Europe. Now, once again, why am I doing this? What, what I'm trying to show you is that in America, we just can't think that, that this is, has just been a white and black problem or an American problem. This has predated America as a nation. This predates uh, most Western civilized worlds. And let me just show you one more and then I think I've made my point. That's the way I could tie it all together, but I just wanna show you this. Uh, the Indian caste system, Uh, Indian. Oh, let me go slavery in China. Then we go to the Indian caste system. Uh, Slavery in China has taken many forms throughout history. Slavery was reportedly abolished as a legal recognized institution in around 1909 and fully enacted in 1910, although the practice continued until 1949 just think about that 50 years ago they're still doing slaves but guess what it's still going on now in china slavery affected and continues continues now you can argue with wikipedia but they have the the sources you can look up continues to affect millions in china right now and by the way the sex trade is in a lot of southeast asia uh, in thailand and um Uh, Vietnam, a lot of sex trade going on in these Asian nations. They steal the Chinese people or Asian people, whatever, you know, steal them from the villages to sell them. Okay, women and children were subject to sexual exploitation. The 2007 Chinese slave scandal, that's what it's called, involved thousands of slaves, not a few thousands of slaves, including thousands of children who had gone miss, missing and were forced to work in the brickyards. And you can look that up, the 2007 uh, scandal here. It talks about that as of 2007, approximately 550 people have been rescued from such situations. So it's continuing in this part of the world even today. And then let me show you real quick before I move on past this, the Indian caste system. Uh, The Indian caste system was a way for the Indian people to separate themselves. This is very similar to the the Rwandan genocide that you see in the movie Hotel Rwanda. Now, it says in the movie that this came from the Belgians as their way of separating. But if you actually study it, the the Hutu and the Tutsi origins actually go well beyond um, uh, the the, uh, the what, what we call the Belgians, the European time. It actually says here the origin of the Tutsi Hutu peoples in a major issue is of history of Rwanda, Burundi, as well as the Great Lakes region, etc. They're the largest groups. Although in uh, racialist ideology originally introduced by European colonizers, the Tutsi were identified as a separate race and although uh, also foreign. That settled amongst the, and intermarried with the Hutu a Bantu group that had arrived there. The relationship between the two modern populations in many ways derived from the Rwandanists etc and so what they began to do, yes, it was exploited in many ways by the Belgians, but the The idea of their uh, tribal warfare was already around in this part of the world, and whether the Belgian people propagated it, made it worse, whatever, uh, the tribal warfare or tribal genocide did not start with the Belgian people. This actually came about in uh, the hotel, uh, the Rwandan genocide. This, This was done... In um, I believe in the 80s. So this is like 300 years after whatever the Belgians, which I think even predates the Belgians, as they found out that these people had issues with, the, with each other beforehand. And of course, I'm locking up here because I want to get the date of the uh, Rwandan genocide. But m- my point is the Indian caste system going back to India. OK, here we go. The, the uh, Rwandan genocide took as many as a million deaths and happened rather in the mid-90s, in the mid-90s, okay? And very similar, without the help of Europeans, the caste system of India it predates the British rule, predates the colonial time, okay? Look at what it says here. The caste system as it exists today is thought to be the result of developments during the collapse of this era and the British colonial reign. But that is not true. It started well before this in their own time. Look at this history in the Veltic period, 1500 to 1000 BC. Okay, this is a 1000 years before Jesus. During this time, there were two uh, kind of people groups that distinctly arose from a tribal division. Okay, now I had to say all that, how fast, okay. I- Almost took 20 minutes to say all of this. Okay, let's go through the introduction, those who are just joining us. This is what we had to decide uh, to, to learn. Number one, we went to a video from Answers in Genesis. It's gonna be on my, my notes for this. And we learned that there's only one race, the human race. Number two, we looked at today's modern definition of, of racism and it's incorrect according to the Bible. If you believe in different races, according to the Bible, you're already a racist. You're already wrong because there are not many races. There's one race. Uh, what really is racism today is actually ethnocentrism some the belief your culture is better than another culture, because all we've had since the Tower of, ba- of Babel is multiple cultures thinking they're better than each other, whether they look almost identical to each other, like the Indian people developing a caste system, whether and, and we talked about that, whether it's like the Chinese slave trade, uh, them enslaving each other, or whether it was like the Mayans and the Aztecs torturing each other, as we watched the video from Apocalypto, or if it's the Hotel Rwandan genocide, I keep saying Hotel Rwanda. Rwandan genocide with the Hutu in the Tutsis. Uh, as I've mentioned before, in the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, etc., uh, this has been a part of the world. Uh, slavery has been a part of the world. We saw it really taking over into Africa with the, uh, the Arab slave trade. And uh, it was there that the Europeans learned about a thousand years later how to slave trade from the Muslims in Africa. And remember, Africans were selling them their, their own people. Like Kuta Kinte wasn't caught by a white man. Very, very few of the Africans were caught by white people invading their lands. It was because they had established this trade, Africans themselves did, with the Arabs for about 1,000 years before the Europeans got there. Okay, so now here we go. Okay, here we go. We are in America now. God bless it, America. And as I said, we have some issues with uh, the statues now of, say, the South. Okay, let's talk about that just for a few moments, and I'm going to hopefully tie all this together. When I, as an Anglo-colored man but Christ-cultured, remember I'm Christ-culture first than any other culture, and I'm not judging my race by my skin tone, so I'm just trying to qualify this. When I, as a Anglo-Christ-cultured man, hear about, excuse me, the, the Civil War leaders of the South, the Southern state leaders, still have an honor in our public square In God-blessed America, I think that is as stupid as stupid can be. Now, once again, I'm not even talking Republican or Democrat politics right now. I'm just talking in general. That is stupid. It never even occurred to me until afterwards, okay? And I used to live in New Orleans seven and a half years. never even occurred to me what was going on there. So let me just blow your mind right now. I used to live right off of Jefferson Davis Road. I didn't even know who Jefferson Davis was. Nobody in the community ever even told me who Jefferson Davis was. And there was a big statue of him in the median by the big intersection by the road there. And they had a park named after after him, the Jefferson Davis Park. My friends, Jefferson Davis was the president of the Confederate States. And this was a predominantly African-American neighborhood. What in the world is this nincompoop doing in this neighborhood? he should have nothing to do with that neighborhood. I could think of a thousand other statues to put up there, okay? Now, before people want to get on to what may be propaganda and the media and all of this, let me just tell you, when it comes to New Orleans specifically, New Orleans mayor wanted to remove these statues during the time when the white man went in to shoot the black people in that southern state, I think it was in Georgia or wherever he went to shoot them in that church, This was before President Trump was even a president. So let's not try to get all conspiratorial and say why they want to tear these down. There were people saying, we need to get away from Confederate flags and Confederate leaders in public places in our nation, because it's redonkulous, especially neighborhoods that are predominantly African-American, to have Confederate leaders there. Now, one of the things I want to say right here is let us not get caught up and what's called the lost cause, the idea that somehow the South was just so gentlemanly and Southern gentlemen, and they were fighting for the economics and and it was unfair with the Northern states. No, 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 they told you why they left. Go read their documents and why they succeeded. One of the most major things, they made made sure almost every state that I was reading on this list, as I was reading their original documents of uh, declaring their independence as a Confederate nation, was that they didn't want, no. Nobody touching their slave. They didn't want nobody touching their slave. Well, listen to me, my friends, even if you buy into the nonsense that doesn't think it was about uh, slavery, my friends, they were Confederate soldiers. Because of them, 300,000 God-blessed Americans had to die to keep law and order in the land. Do you think any of us should have them in our public parks? Or have them name, uh, have have their names be in our parks and in our institutions in America. My friends, that right there should just be obvious to all of us. We don't want that. I mean, could you imagine living in Germany? Just think about this for a second. Could you imagine living in Germany off of Hitler Avenue? Imagine even it's a Jewish neighborhood. Imagine that of all places. It's a Jewish neighborhood, and you've got to tell people as another as a Jew to another friend or whatever, yeah, I live off of Hitler Avenue. That is redonkulous. That is literally what it's like for these people, and I just say get rid of them. Put them in museums or just burn them down. Of course, do it lawfully, but they should have no place in America. Now, sometimes people get worked up about that because they think I'm buying into – NAFTA, you know, getting into their left wing ideology, but listen to me, and I love what one person said, NAFTA and white supremacy, they deserve each other because they're both idiots, they are both idiots, one, NAFTA are anarchist socialists, anarchist socialists, and the other one, white supremacists, are anarchists, racist, wanting to tear down the government, wanting to tear down the rule and order of the land. They're both anarchists. They both don't want true peace in the land. They both want to tear down things and bring the world into chaos. One, and AFTA may be racist in some ways, but for the most part, for what I can just see, they're just straight up socialists. They want a revolution like how Che Guevara wanted revolutions, how Fidel Castro wanted revolutions. These people are not our friends. Their ideology is a demonic ideology. It's okay to care about people's rights and want to see freedom come Uh, uh, to the oppressed, etc. But the way these people have their ideologies lined up with the the, the teachers of the past, my friends, they're no different than the revolutionary mindsets of the Hitlers, of the Russians, the Stalins, of the Cuban Revolution, the Venezuelan Revolution, etc. These are socialists, okay? And then the same thing with white supremacists. If white supremacists can wave a Confederate flag or a Nazi flag and think somehow that they are Christian, they are idiots. You cannot wave a Nazi flag. I heard him interview one of these white supremacists, and he said, we're just out here to better America, we're out here to do this, and we hate the Jews. And I'm thinking, you're an idiot. The Jewish people, one race, human race, but if you call yourself a Christian, Jesus was a Jew. The entire Bible was written by Jews. As a matter of fact, there is not one book of the 66 books of the Bible that wasn't written by a Jew. So if somebody is an anti-Semite yet claims to be a Christian, they are in a cult, okay? So Antifa and um, white supremacy, they're both idiots, okay? Now you move in a little bit. And you have kind of more of what we would call the fringe of the mainstream. We're getting, those guys are just totally out there. But you get more of the fringe of the mainstream. And on the left, you have the kind of movements like Black Lives Matter. And then you have Linda Sessor, a Muslim, leading up the thing like the Women's March. Okay. Then on the side of the right, you may have people that are a bit Uh, uh, You know, uh, believing their white culture is the best culture. They're afraid of the death of white America like Pat Buchanan, I believe, wrote that book, The Death of White America. And you've got people that are feeling that if America's not white, it's not right. Now, I don't want to say that some of the groups that the left accuses of being like this, because I don't think they necessarily are. The Tea Party is not a good representation of that. And they're not really, for what I can see, organized and one kind of a group. But I have met these people and I've seen their mindset. So for example, when I lived in New Orleans, I remember hanging out with a a white family, and New Orleans is still very, you know, segregated by white and black. And I remember him telling me that he was a fire, uh, he was a fireman, and he worked in the black community. And the way he described the black community, the way he talked about the black community, he was a full-blown racist. Okay, a full-blown racist. But I don't think he was like going to be out there with the white supremacists, right? So he would be on that fringe group. Maybe at times he, he joins with the Republican Party. Maybe at times he joins with Tea Party. I don't know, but I don't see that being the majority of those kind of folks that I would meet, because I know a lot of people who say I identify with the Tea Party Republicans that are not racist like that. But that that would be the best I can say is the equivalent to like a Black Lives Matter or, or, or to like the Linda with the with the Women's March. So let me just tell you this when we as christians let's just stop right here and say when we as christians are aligning ourselves with groups and we want to try to push an agenda that we think is best for the culture we need to guard ourselves against any of these fringes any of these political movements that don't represent christ okay now like i said we're all going to have to vote we're all going to have to do certain things uh at some point you know that are going to express a side okay and so there may be people in the republic like i'm going to be republican because i believe in conservative fiscal responsibility i believe in the right to life i believe in uh, a strong military things like that but that's not dependent upon race right so i'm like a ben carson uh conservative a a ted cruz conservative a marco rubio a um another one like alan west conservative right so i'm not like somewhere off on the fringes, and I'm not doing it anything because of culture, I'm doing it because it's my values. And that may be the same thing for you if you're voting Democrat. I'm trying to be, uh, you know, conscientious of what your values may be. Maybe you want health care, maybe you want those things. Okay, but the dividing line for me on certain political issues is like the right to life, abortion, uh, valuing the family, uh, keeping safe our country, not allowing things to go down a certain road where we're gonna have like transgender military and more and more degradation of our culture, okay? So that that may be politically how we vote, but let me just talk about these fringe groups real quick. So let me just show you in Chicago, Black Lives Matter, uh, the Chicago branch and while I'm talking here, if you can give me an equivalent of this, of what you would think is a fringe. Remember, we're not, I've already totally agreed white supremacy and after they're both crazy. But I'm saying this is moving more towards the center. Black Lives Matter seems to get more attention and uh, seems to be more mainstream. But I want you to see some of the things that they put on their page that you have to be mindful of when you are supporting groups like this. Groups like this have also found themselves, and I'm locking up here, and I may not be able to do it, okay? But they also find themselves to be pro-abortion, pro-homosexual. They also find themselves to be anti-Christian values, or what we're saying in the sense of uh, uh, valuing the Christian ideal of a husband and a wife. Okay, so here we're on their page, and I wanted to... uh, to find some of the things I had saved them, but I'm locking up here and I can't get to them. Let me see if I can go to their pictures while I'm talking to you here. And this is what we have to guard ourselves against. So if you're a person that considers yourself a minority and you're saying, hey, you know what? I wanna stand up for uh, for black people or for whatever. Just be careful who you're standing up with, okay? So now watch this, let me give you an example, okay? Black Lives Matter, look at this picture. Invest in Trans Pride 2018 and Free Palestine. You couldn't have found a better picture right here, right? So if you're a Christian, do you want to try to find the cause of helping African Americans, which I believe we need to do that. And i got to get to that in closing. I want to give some solutions here to what I think are some oppressed people groups in America, okay? But, but let me just ask you this. Do you align with this? Because if you do, they're using your support as a foundation to push the agenda of transgender people, or the homosexual agenda. They're using this. Okay. They're also using the agenda of anti-Israel, anti-Christian values, free Palestine. Okay. Do you get that? I wish I could show you more pictures. I just don't have the opportunity to do it. My Internet's running slow right now. But I wanted to show you, we've got to be careful. Maybe, maybe just let me show you one more here. Um, we've got to be careful about who we're siding with. And, the, and, and Anglo, white people, et cetera, need to be careful as well, okay? Let me just see if I can just show you one more that I, I want to uh, get here. It's been, it's been a while since I've been on this. But uh, let me just show you one more here. And I think you'll get my point. We have to watch how we partner with groups. As, a, as an Anglo as an African American, etc okay it's not scrolling fast enough for me to get down to them but the one that I was looking for was basically another transvestite and they want to promote this transvestite um, uh, agenda on their college campus etc and they're doing it with the same tenacity that they're doing these these other things with. They're also supporting, uh, they're also in, in, in cohesion with uh, black nationalists, people that uh, really are racist towards white people and non-black people because they take advantage of them. And I'm not saying that everybody in this is like that, okay? But I want you to understand, I, man, I just, I can barely even scroll, and that's part of my problem right here. So I was going to show you that. And then they also had the F to police uh, shirts on. They were all excited about that. Okay, and so I, I just can't scroll fast enough. I will put the pictures up on my notes, okay, so you guys will be able to show it because I just keep, keep lagging here. Now, if you can think of white people that are doing the same thing, please show me on those Tea Party sites, okay? But what I'm just saying is we need to resist all of that, okay? We need to resist being involved. Let me get with Linda Sassel right here. We need to resist being involved with people That have different agendas than what we do. So you may be a Christian and you're saying to yourself, I have the agenda of helping African Americans in America, like I want to help people, Uh, I want to make sure that they have the chance to go to school, I want to make sure that they have an education, Uh, I still hear in my church of uh, people that are uh, you know discriminated against and latinos and maybe it's unfair like how they're treated etc okay so if you want to be a part of that i want to totally help you also if you're a woman and you're saying man i love what the women's march was about but now hold on look at this this was the leader of the women's march linda sassour what do you see there you see her wearing the hijab now she may say I'm just doing this because I want to do it as a woman. It's my religion. Maybe they'll compare this to a nun or, you know, et cetera. But my friends, this is a sign of oppression to women around the world. We're talking about like in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, you don't do this, you can be mistreated. You can be arrested. You can be beaten by your own family, okay? This is a sign of oppression. Woman's genitalia uh, circumcision is this is a sign of oppression. But yet she wants to collude with people like Black Lives Matter, like the socialists of NAFTA, and want to push their agenda upon us. And so we as Christians have got to understand. So if you're like as a woman right now, and you're saying, well, I want women's rights, you need to know who you're marching with, because you may be marching with the wrong people. Let me just show you this, the Women's March. I couldn't get all the links up here. I know I may be a little bit scattered, but hopefully I can pull it all together here in just a moment. But just as if the African-Americans try to partner with Black Lives Matter, just just like how they're going to be used by the agendas of the Centers for Transgender, anti-Israel, anti-Christian, anti-police, a lot of that which they promote. And like I said, I'll show you. I'll put those pictures on my notes here. The same thing happens here with the Women's March. The the woman's march is about a certain agenda. So I even talked to a woman that was in our church, and she was saying, oh, I, I marched down there because I want to help with the, what with, with the women are standing for. But listen, look at one of their, uh, or rather two of their main agenda items. Okay, they only have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They only have eight main agenda items. And look at this right here. Uh, Two of them, two out of the eight, so basically one-fourth, a quarter, a quarter of their agenda is anti-God, anti-Christian. They believe in reproductive rights. We believe in reproductive freedom. We do not accept any federal, state, or local rollbacks, cuts, or restrictions on our ability to access quality reproductive health care services, birth control, HIV care prevention, or medically accurate sexual education. This means open access to safe, legal, affordable abortion and birth control for all people. Hillary Clinton was going to allow people, and you got to understand the Black genocide is still going on right now, led by a and it's a black pastor that's leading that website because there's a black genocide going on right now. More black people are dying from abortion by black mothers than any other time in history. OK. And this is what they were marching for. And then they were marching for it used to be LGBTQ, LGBT. Now it's LGBTQ. Now I remember that now it's added I and A. We firmly declare LGBTQIA rights are human rights, et cetera. OK, now. Let's put, it, let's put some meat on the bones. I got 20 minutes left. I've gone all over the place. If you got any questions, start texting. Uh, start putting them underneath here right now, okay? Here are some things we have to think about. Let me see if I can review this for you. We learned that there's only one race, the human race. Anybody who says there's multiple races, they themselves are already a racist by the Bible's definition. What we're really dealing with are different cultures according to the Bible, and these different cultures— uh, people in their own cultures have been ethnocentric since the beginning of time. We, we learned about the Mayans doing it to their own people, the, the Chinese doing it to their own people, the Africans doing it to their own people, the Indians doing it to their own people, people from India. We've learned that the Arabs did it to their own people. And we've learned that the white people did it to their own people. When I mentioned like Rome and just watch Gladiator, watch the movie Gladiator to get some history of what they were doing there. OK, so here we go we moved from that point to understand that if we want to fight for the right of culture to thrive in America, we got to be kingdom culture, okay? And part of what we need to do is unite on different things that we can all agree upon, and one of those things we need to agree upon is those who fought against our nation as Confederates should not be honored in the public square. They had a different idea of culture than we did in the North, and they should be not honor they should not be in town squares just like hitler should not have a street named after him he should not have a statue hanging over the town square of one of their major cities like general lee was in the french quarter that shouldn't be there in america what we should be doing is building the christian culture in our families in our churches and loving our neighbors as ourselves showing a better way okay so let me give you some scriptures now from a biblical standpoint and it's up to you what you do with this. It's up to you now, but this is what we need to do as Christians. Going from what we just learned in the video from Answers in Genesis, for one, from one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from many of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets said we are his offsprings. So the first takeaway now is number one, we need to reject the idea of racism. There are no multiple races. There's one race, the human race. That's the first thing. The second thing now what we need to reject is we need to reject ethnocentricism. All peoples have done it. People with light skin, dark skin, slanted eyes, non-slanted eyes, red and yellow, black and white, everybody has been ethnocentric at a time in their history. Everybody Jesus is the only one that brings us all back together because he's our creator. Look at what heaven looks like. Revelation 7, 9. This is the end of the story. This is the end. This is the only hope we have for ultimate peace upon the earth, right? After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, every nation, tribe, people, language language standing before the throne and the lamb they were wearing white robes were holding palm branches in their hand, and they cried out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our god who sits on the throne and to the lamb so first thing we need to do is reject racism the the next thing that we need to do is reject ethnocentricism no matter where you are at in the world no matter what country you're in no matter where you're at now in america we then, thirdly, need to guard against the Pharise. Uh, the guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, the yeast of the Pharisees. Jesus talks about in Mark 8:12. Mark 8:12. And so, uh, as all Americans are here together as one culture, one people group, and remember this: when I went to India and I brought Adam with me, uh, a Puerto Rican man even though we look different we were still american to their culture and if i would have brought like an african american with me you know a michael jordan whatever we still all would have been american to their indian culture so yes we have an american culture but as americans we need to be first kingdom culture and avoid the yeast of the pharisees watch what jesus said jesus said in mark chapter 8 verse um 15, be careful, Jesus warned. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And I love what Pastor Jared said, and this is why I'm bringing it up. The yeast of the Pharisees was a hypocritical religion. The yeast of Herod was an oppressive political system. Hypocritical religion, oppressive politics, okay? So all of us need to avoid both of those ditches need to walk in the path of justice. And I'm going to read, hopefully, Isaiah 55. Don't let me forget about Isaiah 55 before we leave here today. We need to avoid political corruption and religious hypocrisy. So in the church, we need to preach against all sins, including the sin of racism, including the sins of ethnocentricism. We need to preach that all people, red and, bla- red and yellow, black and white, are precious in his sight. We need to preach the values of the Bible, the values of a, of a marriage, the value of life in the womb, the value of a neighborly kindness and those things. And then, yes, we'll go to the polls and do political things. And maybe two Christians may vote differently on some issues, but they're going to be lined up on major issues, majoring on the majors, minoring on the minors. And then the next thing is we're going to avoid political oppression. I do think it's a form of oppression when you have statues and uh, these these, uh, items left over from the, the Civil War of the Confederates. That's a form of oppression. I would not want, if I was a Jew, I got to get fired up again. I would not want to live in a, on a street in Germany called Hitler Avenue. And I wouldn't want a big a statue of him in the park. I used to live in New Orleans on Jefferson Davidson Highway, the president of the Confederate States. I didn't even know that's who he was. And then he was sitting there on a horse. That's one of the ones they want to take down. And they just took down Lee from the what they would call uh, the Lee Circle there, you know, and, uh, and, 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 and the French Quarter there. They need to take all of that down and not be oppressive. And then we need to have equality with the women and in, in, in different cultures being hired and having jobs and whatever. And we need to recognize that there's extremes on both sides and NAFTA. And after. Antifa, rather, and white supremacy, and then you kind of move in, and there's kind of some racist white people over here and kind of some, you know, racist pushing false agendas, uh, you know, minority people over here, like Sasso and the Women's March and Black Lives Matter, and we need to meet in the middle where the cross is, and we need to have cross-centered values, okay? So those are the three things that I believe we really need to do. Avoid racism, ethnocentrism, and then the yeast of the Pharisees, Um, uh, the the yeast of Pharisees and of Herod, which is uh, religious hypocrisy and political corruption. Now, having said all of that, I want to tell you a little bit of my story now, just how God has done great things in my life, just for these. Well, let me read Isaiah 55, and then I'm going to make it personal. And so thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, Remember, you can find us on iTunes or our app by searching Metro Praise international, we are on iTunes there and we have an app as well. You can find us on the website where I keep all the notes and all of the things there at what do you believe tv.com. What do you believe TV dot com is our website and then of course facebook where you may be watching us live right now just what do you believe uh quick announcement i want to let you guys know because our schedules will be changing wednesdays will not be our day and it will not be weekly anymore so stay tuned for our new calendar or schedule coming up i'm still doing the 201 class on tuesdays lord willing that will move to thursday starting in october but we'll finish out uh, the summer here and a little bit in September on Tuesdays with our 301 class on presuppositional apologetics. So we're going to keep that going. That will hopefully move to Thursday starting in October. And then with Jared and I, uh, we're going to look at maybe once a month, every other week. Who knows? It will probably be Mondays in the morning. That's going to kind of work best for us. Once again, we do the live feed just to kind of keep everybody up to date, but then we publish it to watch or listen to uh, at your own uh, convenience. Okay. So now let's look here at Isaiah 55. This is that kind of place where we all need to meet as Christians. No matter what culture we come from, we need to meet here. Because remember that there's only one culture, the Christian culture, okay? there's only, For us as Christians, there's only one Christian culture. Um, excuse me, it's Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. Shout it aloud, do not hold back raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebellion. Antifa, they are in rebellion. White supremacists, rebellion. Racist Anglos, rebellion. Uh, Black Lives Matter, rebellion with, with um with their pushing of the LGBT agenda, with their anti-Israel, anti-Christian, and then their pro-black movement, where a lot of it is racist towards uh, white people wanting to kind of flip the, the script on them. I've met racist black people like that, and I've debated one, some of them, from the Nation of Islam, uh, the black Israelites, and they, they side with these groups. They're using them right now, okay? and call into rebellion the people like Linda Sassor, the socialists, and the Muslims who are trying to bring down American values, uh, American values, if we're going to believe them to be Christian, at least at this point. I don't care what the past is. Right now, I wish I could get on to that, but let's just say right now, we're still majority of Christians. We claim that. 70% of this nation still claim Christ. Let's all live up to that. Let's not have 4% Christian worldview, as Barna keeps finding out. Let's have 100% 100% Christian worldview out of that 70% and watch what God will do, okay? So everybody's being rebellious, not listening to God, not doing it his way, repent. We're going to declare to Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does right and has not forsaken the commands of God. So they're acting like they want it, but they really don't. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Everybody's saying, God bless the nation, God bless us, but we're not really doing what it takes. We have fasted, they say, have you not seen it? We've humbled ourselves, have you not noticed? But then this is what he says, on your day of fasting, you do as you please, you exploit all your workers, okay, that could be against crony capitalism, your fasting ends in quarrel and strife, that could be against the the violence in our black communities, in our our inner cities, and then striking each other with wicked fists, come on, hello somebody, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high, is this the kind of fast I have chosen only a day for you to humble yourself or go to church on Christmas or Easter, is it only for bowing one's head like a reed or for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Look at what it says. Is this not the kind of fast and I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice? Loose them. Loose them off the Christians. Loose them off of the minorities. Loose them off the educational system, etc. We as Christians can figure this out, but we got to do it God's way. Untie the cords of the yoke. Set the oppressed free. Break every yoke, okay? Is it not to share your food with the hungry? Church is still the best place. To- to feed the needy in America and around the world. Christians do more charity than anybody else, okay? Provide the poor the poor wanderer shelter. That's why most of the time you see the homeless shelters and soup kitchens, Christian. When you see the naked, to clothe them. we need to do more of this, not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. We need to take care of each other, love each other here, right? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will appear quickly. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing the finger, keep saying it's your fault, it's your fault, and malicious talk, we got to come together and say, Lord, forgive me for what I've done and contributed to the mess. And if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy, satisfy the needs of the oppressed, listen to me, Hillary wasn't doing this, and if you think Donald Trump's not doing this, let us do it. But don't you dare say that Trump was like some wicked capitalist and Bernie wasn't. Man, that guy owns multiple houses, too. What do you think he's about, my friends? Don't just flip this back and forth. I understand that I voted for Trump, but I'm not putting my hope in him. So don't you just think to yourself, well, we just got to get rid of Trump and everything's going to change. We were under Obama for eight years. Look at the mess that we had. Wake up. Get woke. The Christians need to get in the streets and do the right thing. Chicago for Jesus, baby, all day, every day. He says, then your light will rise in the darkness. Then the night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide your ways. He'll satisfy your knees in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and you will rise, raise up the old, age-old foundations. You'll be repairers of broken walls, restorers of streets, of dwellings, with dwellings. Okay, now let me tell you my story here. I'm checking to see if I got any questions. Uh, thank you guys for your time. Uh, Share if you care, because I'm doing my best to put it all together here. Okay, now let me tell you my story here. Okay, so I was born and raised in an Anglo family in the suburbs of Fort Wayne, Indiana. My family heritage actually starts at the same time coming to America. My Polish side and Italian side, I'm 50-50. They both came in the early 1900s. My mom and dad were the first ones to marry outside of their people group. Italian was my mom and all the way back in history and Polish. You know, my dad was Polish all in his history. So they intermarry. They lived in the Chicagoland area. Then they moved to Fort Wayne. Okay. I grew up uh, with an uh, African-American kid, uh, young guy on my block, a, a child like me. We played all together. No problem. Had an Indian young lady down the street. Uh, you know, loved her, just no, no problem, you know, um, it's, uh, my best friend, South uh, Korean, Korean, no problem. But what happened was, um, as I got older, by the way, I went to a private school, and Jabbar was one of my best friends. And uh, I sang to uh, the Super Bowl shuffle with him when the Bears were in the Super Bowl in 1985. Um, no problem up into fourth grade, but then I switched to fifth grade. And then in fifth grade, I met African Americans coming from the inner city, never really had dealt with that. See, now watch. I was cool in my culture in that suburb with everybody that was like-minded. The moment I met somebody that was from a different culture, remember one race, the human race, but when I met them from a different culture, I began, I began to become an ethnocentric. I began to like my white skateboarding culture more than their black inner city culture. And they were racist and they would call me white boy, and I would call them by the N word, and we would fight with each other. We fought white and black. And if my friends are listening to this, they know, they remember some of those fights. I went into junior high fighting black kids, and it was it was not because that they were black per se, it was because they came from a different culture because my friends that were black, and I would even my mind try to justify this and say there's black people and then there's ends, you know, that bad word. And uh, I would justify it because it wasn't my culture. They were a different culture. Now, remember I showed you at the beginning, every, every culture group has done this. And this is my journey. I'm not saying every individual has done this. I'm not saying everybody's done it like me. I'm just saying, remember, everybody's done this. The Houthi with the Tutsis, the Mayans with the natives, you know, I mean, the, the caste system, the, the Chinese, uh, right? I mean, everybody's done this. Well, I was like that kind of person doing that too. And I got into high school and I watched... Uh, one of these long haired guys uh, that I probably would have been hanging out with, you know, he was a little bit older than me, but that was kind of my culture, get jumped by a bunch of African Americans because he was saying racist things to him. And I remember the black kid that I had grew up with coming up to me and he was basically like letting me know what was up. He was like, you're next. And that really woke me up because then I realized like, do I want to live in a world where I got to get jumped, you know, <laughs> or fight for what I really believe in. And at that same moment, I was also on the football team or hanging out with the football players because I was waiting to play as a sophomore, but I still kept all my football team uh, friends. And a lot of them were African-American. And I started realizing like the racism that I saw in somebody else as he got jumped. It wasn't really because he got jumped that I was afraid or anything. It was just watching him get jumped. And then my friends saying I was next. And then I was hanging out with all these other kids, you know, uh, that were African-American. I began to realize I this is stupid this is dumb I don't want to be like this I don't want to be in this and then I started doing drugs I started listening to rap music and I started becoming really cool in the hood you know it's kind of funny that that's true and some of my friends can tell you it's like we white boys from the suburbs began hanging out with them in the more inner city parts of our of our of our of our city and it was natural force and we started intermingling and all that and and then many of them ended up telling us you know they were racist too and you can always see how that would those walls would come down you know and sadly it wasn't God God that brought us together was drugs, you know, so we were sitting here getting high, and I'm not glorifying drugs in any way, but uh one guy would be like, yeah, man, we used to think you white guys, y'all were, y'all were lames, you guys were this, you know, you'd call us like women body parts, you know, we all thought you were peas, we thought you were this and that, but you know, you were pretty tough, man, I remember when you were fighting, what's his name, you know, you could hold it down, and uh I'm thinking of Spanky right now, and Eden Green, when I would hang out with him on his porch, right there off of uh Pontiac, okay, and so I grew out of that, then uh, grew out of that kind of ethnocentrism, and then I became a Christian. And of course, the most dramatic thing in my life happened. My heart opened up. I, you know, just I saw the whole human race for what it was lost without God, needing Jesus. And then guess what? God calls me to the inner city. God calls me to those places where Spanky and I would hang out. He calls me to Eden green. I start giving away groceries, going to the projects. A few months later, I uh, get called to go to Bible College in New Orleans. I work in the inner city, nine different housing projects. I end up becoming a pastor of an all-African-American church. And then after that time of pastoring an all-African-American church, I come to Chicago in a multicultural church, Belmont Assembly of God, love them. And then I began to start our own church. And today, our own church is predominantly Latino and then a mixture of all the other cultures, African-American, Filipino, and Asian, European, and white, et cetera. And what I wanna just show you here is, is one of these most beautiful pictures that I could ever share with you right here in closing. I'm trying to, uh, trying to get you this picture here that was of um, our baptism today. I think I'm locking up here on my Facebook, but hopefully you guys can see this, of baptizing five children, literally every one of them precious. And and one of the girls was uh, Filipino, but she's a teenager. But I literally probably baptized every major people people group on the planet in this baptism. So you see right here, Latino being baptized, Samantha. Then Harmony, African-American being baptized here. Uh, Another Latino young lady, My Anglo daughter and a Latino young man and then an Asian uh, teenager, you know what? My testimony is this, is that if God did it for me, he can do it for anyone. He brought me into a wonderful family of multiple cultures around the world. And even today, as we're preparing for our children's ministry on Wednesdays, I'm so thankful. I wouldn't trade it for anything. What God has given me, and all people groups are special in God's eyes. And so my prayer is, is that we'll, we'll avoid those three mistakes. We won't be racist, we'll believe in one human race, we won't be ethnocentric, we'll understand that all cultures can contribute to the kingdom of God, and we won't give in to the yeast of the Pharisees or of Herod into a religious hypocrisy or to oppressive politics, but we'll be a godly people that loves God with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength and our neighbor as ourselves. My friends, that's what I believe. I want to know, what do you believe? We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us.